COVID was an obstacle for many businesses. But while the lockdown created temporary challenges for certain industries, the introduction of remote work completely obliterated the idea of office life. As a result, Lucy Minton's one-year-old business kit became almost unviable practically overnight. In this conversation, we'll walk through this worst-case scenario. We'll talk about how to prepare for a bear market, how to be realistic, and how to be decisive to not only survive, but thrive. So welcome, Lucy, to Future Fit Founder. When are we going back to? Thanks, James. Um, we are going back to March 2020, uh, the time that I'm sure nobody wants to go back to. <laughs> <laughs> and what's what's happening for you um, in March 2020? So what was happening in our world was we had just been alerted to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, at the time, I don't even think we knew it was a pandemic. I don't know if anyone knew what it was. It was this mysterious thing that was kind of creeping up in the narrative of the news and the media um, until it kind of all exploded. I should know the exact date, around mid-March. Mm. Um, and all of a sudden, everyone had to pack up their bags and go home for what was supposed to be a three-week lockdown. And that's what we did. I mean, we are in the business of managed office space. So we help companies find, design and manage um, personalized office spaces for their business, which meant we had a lot of our clients also panicking and, and trying to figure out what to do. But essentially overnight, it was, we're in, we're doing business as usual, we're selling our product as usual to, we're not doing that anymore and we don't really know what that is going to mean and how long it's going to last for. And we've got to figure out in a really short space of time what we do with our team, what we do with our product and how we keep the business going. Wow. So kind of like almost like an existential crisis. Yeah. I, I don't think we necessarily knew that at the time, but what became quite clear in the kind of the weeks from that point, and, and, and to be honest, there was some narrative in the press that that were kind of knew at the time that it was going to be a really long-term thing and um, but it became quite clear as the weeks went past that actually this wasn't going to be a three-week thing it was going to be a really long-term thing that had substantial change to to the business as we knew it um and what what proceeded to happen is so overnight companies obviously told all their employees to work from home the government guidance um, basically was that if you can work from home, you, you have to work from home. Um, and it became quite serious quite quickly. And what businesses found pretty quickly was that actually working from home, everyone working from home wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. And it was actually working quite well. Um, and don't get me wrong, there were lots of challenges that lots of businesses were facing at the time. But I think that element of the pandemic really surprised businesses. Um which then created this kind of narrative in the media and around certain types of businesses of who needs an office, you know, we've got this remote working thing down and everyone gets their commute time back and it's the best thing ever. And actually the office is so expensive. Why would I want to do that? That feels so antiquated to me now. Mm. Um, yeah. And that was very much the narrative coming out of the media, you know, on socials, it was like the cool thing to think was you don't need an office because remote working is actually great, um, mm. which 
yeah, it was was kind of interesting for us. Because by that stage, how how long had you been going for? Um, properly going for just over two years. Sorry, just over one year. Um, so we'd sort of started the business about a year and a half before, and we'd really got going um, Jan twenty nineteen. So yeah, a year and a bit. Um, and and to be honest, that year had been great. Like we really found a product that people wanted we'd had it we had a really kind of specific customer that we were starting to starting with and, and serving really really well and the growth was really strong and sort of it was a little bit like overnight the rug was pulled from under us and don't get me wrong I know we're not the only ones there were plenty of industries where people were really really affected um, and it was hard for so many businesses and so many different sectors I think what was quite unique about about our situation is it wasn't the businesses that we weren't in the category of business that was obviously like really horrendously affected, you know, travel or um, hospitality. Like obviously that was a temporary thing. Like Whereas the office world, it was kind of the one that got a little bit forgotten because there was this new thing, not a new thing, but a new realisation that remote working actually had lots of benefits. It put the industry in, in a really strange position for a couple of years where it's essentially like essentially its whole core was being questioned mm. um the narrative around it was kind of unpopular you know it was really popular to say offices are rubbish and we're gonna down with landlords and all this kind of stuff and you know we had to emotionally figure out a way of just kind of blocking it all out and really believing in what we were doing and understanding why we were doing it and Yes, adapting that to what would be a new world coming out of it, but ultimately. So you've got kind of a business that starts really well. You've been going for a year and a half. This kind of unknown impact when all the narrative is that it's the whole reason for being of your business no longer exists sort of for an office space. And you guys are kind of new as founders, new as a team. How, 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 does that, how are you feeling in this moment? At the start of it, it was a feeling of frustration because, and this shows my privilege, I suppose, I felt like I'd never been in a position where I wasn't able to kind of move something forward that I was passionate about. It was like the first time I felt I had a blocker that was external and there was nothing I could do about it. And that felt really frustrating because you just felt like you had this energy to expend on something. And, and you know, we would, we were going for it. We were really, really expending that energy doing really well and it it was it was going well and then all of a sudden there was like a a blocker just put in front of us and it was like nope you gotta stop what you're doing you can't do that anymore and obviously overnight you know we lost customers because anyone that could break their contracts did break their contracts um which was tough in itself but from an yeah from an emotional perspective it was it was frustrating um and then once the frustration eased you had this yeah this on this narrative going on that was like it's it's hard to explain because you know I know and I think lots of really successful people know that you basically have to ignore popular narratives to a large extent because ultimately if you're following a popular narrative you're probably not coming up with anything that that's 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 that that unique or disruptive and I knew that deep down but, you know, when there's not much to do in a pandemic, you can't go anywhere. You've got the news on, you're on Twitter, you're on LinkedIn. It, you can't help but, you know, you can't help but have some sort of an effect. And 
I think, yeah, Steve and I ultimately knew deep down we were doing the right thing and we were confident in the business model and we knew that it would come back and all the rest of it. But yeah, it doesn't stop it being a challenge. You know, you really have to back yourself and and know yourself to be able to stay strong emotionally Mm. through that kind of experience. Because actually you've got this energy to like drive it forward, but there's this block and there's all this noise, but you can't almost sounds like you almost can't ignore the noise as much because you're not you can't drive it forward. So you're kind of stuck in this position where you've got all this energy. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there really wasn't much to do. You know, it's not like there was all this other stuff that you could do to expend your energy. You could barely take the dog for a walk at that time, you know. Everything was restricted. There was nowhere to go. And, you know, everyone made the most of it and then found their own way to be productive. And, you know, we did various things within the business that at the time we felt were productive. In hindsight, I'd question how productive they were. So when you say sort of the wrong things, what sort of things do you feel feel were productive or or weren't? I think in truth, we were in denial about how long this thing would go on for. So we were kind of like, we probably didn't furlough as much of the team as we should have done because we were kind of in denial about oh, there's still some bits coming through on the sales side. They weren't really... It was, it was bits that we were, we were kind of trying to draw hope from when actually there wasn't really much hope at that stage. And I think what would have been a much more sensible approach in hindsight, and I think, you know, shocks happen from, like, cyclically. And, and yes, hopefully a pandemic won't happen again, but there will be other things that shock the business and shock businesses generally. And it's I almost think you have to be really decisive in those moments um, and plan uh, more for the worse. Obviously with flexibility to be able to um, move if, if it's not the worst. But I think we we planned for, I think, a three-month kind of lockdown. We set the team up with some project work and furloughed some people. But I think in hindsight, we probably should have gone really down-tooled, um, furloughed more people given the support was there. And then just sort of like had a skeleton staff rather than trying to sort of make the best of it with projects. What what do you think drove that, that sense of, oh, this is going to be three months rather than something longer term? A couple of things. One, founder naivety. Um, You know, we are naive and optimistic. Otherwise, we wouldn't have set up a business in the first place. (laughs) I think you probably know that, James. Um, The other is probably our experience level you know we've not been through another event that is similar we were both um at university during the financial crisis so this is kind of the first big global event that affected us in that way and I think I remember talking to my uncle who's um been through a few of these let's say and he was like just incredibly calm about the whole thing and you know out of every crisis comes an opportunity is his classic saying uh, which I love. Um, but I think when you're going through it for the first time, however much you take advice and however much you you know that is true, it, you do kind of have to live through it to learn, I think. Mm. So it's kind of like the new new founders, first time in the position, first time coming through this kind of shock. It's quite, it's quite a lot. It's one more big thing to deal with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, the first year, year and a half of a a business is enough to deal with, right? And this is just like 
the biggest challenge we could ever imagine um, mm. to any business. And then we had this like unique quirk on our business, um, which meant you had like the physical and emotional challenge of just having a shock to the economy and, and the system anyway. And then this additional weird emotional thing of like, well, is my business viable in this new world where people love remote working? <laughs> which sounds crazy now because, you know, yes, the world has changed, but actually lots about it is really positive for us. But at the time it was like, you know, all bets are off. This whole thing is unprecedented as as the politicians like to say. Um, so it was hard to see through it, I suppose. It's interesting, right? You say there are these shocks periodically through, like whether it's recession or whatever it is. You, you each time you don't know how long they're going to be. You don't know what the ultimate impact is going to be, but you do know that they will end. They will end. Yeah, yeah, very true. I, I think, I think part going back to your other question, part of the other problem with it for us personally was, you know, the period in which it lasted really was two years and we're still seeing the effects of it now and it wasn't two years of lockdown there was you know and we did business in that two years um first year was very very tough but that was like two years of a business that had only been going three (laughs) three and a half so it's like that in itself was the ratio is just really odd you know if you've been going Mm. we've been going uh yeah four four years now and two of those were COVID. It's just a really strange kind of situation. And we, we were lucky, you know, we had investors support us through it and we were able to get through it. We were actually at, at a size where we were kind of small enough to manage it in a way. You know, the overheads weren't that high, hopefully. Um, but it's odd, you know, you're one and a one and a bit years into starting something and then you have two years of kind of being on hold. It's, it's, it's strange. Mm. So if, if you were to look, take the lesson from this into future sharks what what is it that's what, what what are your takeaways from it so far the first one is be decisive um as i said i don't think we were quite decisive enough i think we were coasting a little bit waiting for things to get better when the reality was they didn't get better for a really long time um so that would be the first thing um the second thing i would say is don't worry about what anyone thinks because Mm. you're doing what you're doing for a reason and just stay true to that reason and actually if everyone's saying something else that's probably a good thing in a way because it means you've seen something that uh, no one else can see which I think is um the recipe for you know building something really really good and I think now you know everything that we discussed during the pandemic about the reasons we still thought we had a viable business have very much come true and are very much the foundation of why we're growing the way we're growing now. So Mm. that I think is a really valuable lesson because me personally, and I'm sure lots of people spend a lot of time, a lot of time growing up really caring what people thought. And actually it's just very, very unhelpful, I think in lots of ways. Mm. So were you finding like not only on social media, then people around you were giving unhelpful opinions at that time? I wouldn't say unhelpful. I suppose it was more just like, you know, the classic, oh, so what do you do? Oh, how does that work now, you know, with remote working and stuff? That would be the kind of conversation. And no one means any harm by it. It's just, you know, it's, uh, it was a lot cooler to have a business that does a virtual, you know, anything, frankly, at that point. (laughs) 
um but yeah so actually if people around you are not are not trying that they're just giving their instinctive responses to, to stuff yeah. that maybe they they don't know that much about anyway totally and totally i mean and they're they're in the media right they're reading the papers and seeing the headlines and on social media so it's it's all built up um from the same place um and it's not their job to understand the long-term trends and the long-term kind of reason for being for my business. And it's my job to be able to explain that to them. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it got really boring by the end, put it like that. <laughs> but it's, it's really fascinating that this idea that we do care what people think while at the same time, we also know as founders that, we almost need to think differently from other people to really create something unique. Hundred percent, yeah. You you need to know what people think, but then you also need to know. You need to go sort of go a layer deeper as to why they think what they think, and then think about that. Mm. Um, and that I think is where good ideas come from, because yeah, most people think what they think because of lots of like lots of factors which aren't necessarily that. Robust, I'd say. And, and, you know, most people are just getting on with their lives. They're not critically thinking about how to change an industry, unfortunately. <laughs> but I suppose the same way, like, I mean, you, you've thought about how to critically change the sort of the office space industry. You maybe haven't thought how to critically change the restaurant industry or the well, exactly. car industry. Yeah, completely. Completely right. Exactly. You've only got one brain and only so many hours in the day. Um, so as much as I'm interested in how other people think they might disrupt those industries, I probably don't have a great answer as to how I would. <laughs> but it, so how, how then do you balance almost in mod, it's not immodest, but it feels like, oh, I do know better, but we're training. Oh, maybe I shouldn't think I do know, but actually as a founder of a business that you've spent time learning how to disrupt an industry, like you are an expert and you do have perhaps knowledge of your business and no one else does but there are lots of people who will have a counter view because they know a lot less. How, how mm. do you hold firm in that situation? Well, I think you have to, you have to try and if they're interested, try and convince them. Um, because if you can't convince them, then you will not be able to convince many other people uh, saying that, you know, at that particular point in time. And, and we found this going out trying to fundraise from VCs at the time, it, it was pretty difficult to convince people at that time because of the way the world was. Um, and it's just, you just have to not worry about that. Um, you know, take, if, if people have a really valid questioning, you need to be open to that and you can't, you know, be a closed up shop. If people are willing to engage in the conversation, I guess the, the, yeah, the first thing is, are they willing to engage in the conversation or is it just kind of like a hearsay type thing? If they are willing to engage in the conversation, can you convince them? If you can't convince them and they are engaged in the conversation, then you probably do need to listen to some of their challenges and see whether there's anything to to take from them. Um, and yeah, it was interesting. Steve, uh, my co-founder, was leading a fundraising effort during the pandemic. And it was amazing how many VCs just were like, we're not touching that sector at the moment. You know, we just want to see how it plays out. Because most of them don't want to be the one who made the wrong decision. You know, it's easier at that stage to back, yeah, like a virtual events business or a, 
you know, virtually, as I said, virtual anything, you know, you're not going to get Or delivery or... in 15 minutes business. Or delivery. Because <laughs> that's what's out really that well. <laughs> it would, precisely, right? Like, that is just an amazing example of why you should not follow hype <laughs> because you need to be able to see through the hype and beyond. You know, there, I, I think there are very few COVID businesses whose share prices actually stayed really high because and they've they've actually managed to maintain the growth rate anywhere close to what they were doing during COVID. Um because, you know, people do kind of get back to normal a little bit and nobody wants to be staring at a screen all day every day. Mm. For sure there's you know, loads of great businesses that have come out of it that still have a very viable business model. I'm not saying that's not true, but the hype was very real around a very specific type of business model and no one really, other than um, some of our investors, so Hoxton, who backed us during the pandemic, were willing to say, I think there's an opportunity here. I'm going to look further into the future. And actually, this is the time real estate gets disrupted. And this is the time that a new type of business model within real estate could be really successful. And, you know, I think looking back now, I'm sure the conversations with those types of people would be a lot easier um which is yeah kind of sad in a way because it means that you kind of need that ex- they need that external hype factor in order to engage because they're, they're scared of making the wrong decision but it's quite interesting what you're saying there about how it's about digging a level deeper and going lots of people are going to tell you it's not a good idea or they're going to hear stuff but if they're engaged enough to have the conversation either they might go oh we're just not investing or oh, I would just, there's just an opinion we have, which is very surface level. Mm. But if they are willing to engage and they are willing to challenge, you can still get positive, useful information out of yeah, someone. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, th- I think it's important that you do have those conversations because the people that can see through the kind of the cloudiness um, will have really interesting opinions on what the future look, looks like and they're willing to yeah, are willing to to take that step into the future and take a guess on what the future looks like coming out of something like that. And actually, you know, their guess is as good as ours to some extent. And um, if you feel they've come at it from a place of, you know, being really smart and having a really interesting perspective on the world, then for sure mm. there's helpful, helpful information that could come out of that. They might be wrong, they might be right, who knows? Did you did you feel as kind of like a first time founder when you're talking to VCs and these people that they that they should know better than you and therefore was there any conflict there in terms of how you, how confident you were in your in your view? Yeah, I mean for sure, like fundraising is tricky anyway. When you're you know you get told no a lot when you're fundraising, um, so to get told no a lot, and then also to get told, oh, we don't want to touch the sector. It's, it's pretty hard to hear but I think we were really surprised that there weren't more people willing to take a view because we did see this as the big opportunity for the industry to change and what there's context about the industry that was actually already kind of moving in the direction that was was working in our favor which is partly why we set up the business like lots of kind of trends happening and this was like um a major one right this is us for us was like okay all of those things that we already believed this is the thing that's gonna you know 10x the speed of all the changes that were already happening I think it was a little bit disheartening that other people weren't willing to take a view 
and it, it wasn't even we didn't really get I don't think we got challenged that much it was a lot of we're not touching the sex we want to see how it plays out it's like yeah but isn't that your job to kind of have an opinion on this stuff <laughs> mm. kind of like this now's the time like what do yeah you- I mean the whole point of like a, a VC is to kind of take bets right that's literally it's almost gambling in some ways you'd think more people would be willing to take a bet on on that industry in that time it's interesting because i think it depends whether you think of vc's role is to take a bet on a business that's going to succeed or a business that they can sell and i don't yeah. think they're necessarily the same thing yeah no they're not they're not success to a vc is not a hundred million exit or a 200 million exit it's a multi-billion that they have to believe you can be a multi multi-billion dollar business in a relatively short space of time um otherwise the bet's not worth making so they have to believe you're a fund returner and they'll have tons that kind of wash their own face and make some money and then tons that die <laughs> but they just need like one or two massive ones because on that on that thing that's interesting then that you would think going counter cyclical was the way you're more likely to get the a hundred times. Well, yeah, that that's exactly it. And that's exactly why we were disappointed. And well, exactly why we were so delighted when we met Hoxton because Hoxton, they do look, their whole model is we look for the why now for the, for an industry and we look for category creation within an industry. Um, so it was almost like our timing and our business were perfect, a really good match for them. But yeah, I was I was surprised that others weren't willing to be bolder, I guess. So, so let's let's say we have COVID two point zero or three point zero or something something completely different. Like there's another shock coming in two years time. What what do you do this time round? First thing is I think have a really realistic view of how long the shock will last and what it actually means. You know, right now we're in a bit of a shock, but it doesn't actually have the impact on our business is obviously much less than it was in COVID. Uh, COVID was probably the the biggest impact you could ever have other than maybe an alien invasion or something (laughs) or war, frankly. So I'd say, yeah, realistic view of, is this a complete shutdown temporarily? Um, Or is this be really cautious and watch the impact, um, but still keep things running and have a really um honest conversation with ourselves about how long we think it could go on and what that means for our planning that would be the first one and then at the second yeah as i said it would just be remember reminding ourselves why we're doing what we're doing and staying really true to that and is anything around like preparing for it when you you don't know what the shock is going to be yeah for sure i mean i think there's you know uh, there's a financial response, right, that you have a duty to do for your shareholders. And I think, um, as I said earlier, we were we were quite early stage, so the overheads were, were lower, which was helpful. Now, I think if it were to happen, you know, we're about 70 people now, we would have a real duty to put together a really grown-up response from a financial perspective. And I think we've you know, got the team to do that now. Um, so there's definitely an element of of preparedness there. Um, Then there's the more operational stuff, right, around how to incident response type type stuff. How how would we physically 
move into another shop like that? You know, what processes would we follow? How would we alert our customers? What would we what would we do with our customers during that time? And I'm sure the pandemic has pushed businesses to invest more in those kinds of processes. Hmm. And what about for you as a founder? What what that's kind of response to the business? I, How can you prepare yourself as a founder for these these types of shocks? I think I honestly think if you haven't been through one before, it's a real challenge because I feel like now I would go into it with a much more level head of it will take as long as it takes, but it will be fine. And as, as I said, every out of every crisis, there's an opportunity. And I, like, I truly believe that. And I know that. And even though I believed it at the time, because you haven't been through it and you haven't got to the other side, I think it is just really, really, really hard. And you kind of do need to get the bruises in order to be able to go into the next one um, really strong. Um, and I think I would. I honestly think now... I feel, I feel like anything could be chucked at us and we'd be fine um, because we've been through the experience. So again, another opportunity out of a crisis, I suppose. But essentially, because it sounds like you had the right people around you to give you, to share their experience around how to treat it, how to respond, how to react. But lived experience is different from given experience. People can give you all the advice in the world, but it can't. It doesn't always help the way you feel. You know, emotions are a tricky thing. Uh, and we were really lucky. And, and as I said, we had supportive investors. There was lots of really positive things about the position that we were in. And we were very lucky in lots of ways. Um, but it's, yeah, I think emotional experiences you do, you do need to live through in order to grow stronger. Um, you know, pain often makes you more resilient right it's it's the same thing with other more personal situations as well um and I think it's just really really hard to prepare yourself because the logic as much as you believe it and as much as you know it and as much as you tell yourself all those things the emotions are new and you just got to work mm. out a way of handling them so I say like I feel like my my one to ten sort of disaster meter has been recalibrated over the years like yeah totally and actually now like what other people might think of as an eight for me is kind of like a three and it's yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. it Completely. takes takes a lot to really trigger that very top level because once you've been to like sort of a cash flow crisis or a like sort of profit shock or a economic sort of event of that scale each time it's kind of like going okay well <laughs> I don't I've seen the same before, panic response or the out. same. Yeah, that that's couldn't agree more. It, it's also just you know, it's it's your way of learning, right? Like I'm very much a learning by doing type person, and it's quite hard for me to have a theory and sort of then just feel comfortable knowing how to do something. Like I've kind of got to try it first, mm. and I think it's it's that as well. You know, you've 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 got the bruises you've learned how to do it you've you can see what worked for you and what didn't work for you and you can move move through the, the next one taking those learnings banking them and, and kind of dealing with it better um so I suppose really that the, the advice would be to prepare yourself to go through a bit of a roller coaster for if you're doing it for the first time because it's not going to be easy and it's going to really throw you in lots of ways prepare yourself for that because it's going to be kind of unavoidable I think and 
support the people around you who are also probably going through the same mm. turmoil. I don't think there's a hack, unfortunately. What well, I mean, was there anything that you feel that you did set up time to mitigate that roller coaster? Turn off the news for one. <laughs> that was helpful. Genuinely, it got to the point where that just wasn't helpful. A regular kind of communication about it with with people like Steve, people like our investors. You know, have, having conversations about the future that we're not just in your own head. I think that's really important. And yeah, just just trying to talk to people who have been through this kind of thing before. As as I said, you know, things happen in the world and things happen in business regularly. And what you're going through won't be the worst thing that anyone's ever gone through. So try and get some perspective um, from others who are older and wiser. I shouldn't say older, but more experienced and wiser. <laughs> and so where, where does that where does that leave Kit today? So I mean, that that was clearly a tough moment. But as you said, sort of you've been going four years through those COVID, but things are going really well. Where where are you guys today? Hopefully what's been created is a really interesting dynamic in the industry that we're in. So you've got, I think, remote working um, was has definitely been a real positive for businesses. Um, it went better than most people expected, and it will now be a relatively fixed part of a business's workplace strategy or working strategy. Um, but almost because COVID went on as long as it did, to be honest, um, I think the vast majority of businesses has realised have realized the benefit of bringing people together in person and what that can do for a business. And I think the vast majority of businesses, unless they've now set themselves up as fully remote, which is almost like a different operating system altogether, the businesses that that do want a physical presence almost need to work harder to make it work um, and almost do less with more in a way. And I think for us, um, we very much see ourselves as the kind of leader in the new world of work you know we want to help businesses navigate through this difficult time but also build the foundations for the future um help them optimize their in-person experiences to help drive their business forward and that's harder than ever at the same time the industry itself has gone through a really really big shock which means you've got landlords who are much more willing to offer more flexibility to businesses which again works really well for a business like ours because we are essentially just a matchmaker between landlords and tenants um, but building out this new experience around the transaction which gives them help with every part of the end-to-end finding a space designing a space and managing a space so um, kind of the the movement on both sides is really helpful for us Um, and we're starting to see that by different types of customers coming to us, more mature businesses looking to do things differently. I don't think people really know what that means, but they definitely don't want to do things the way they used to do it, which which is all really good for us. And, and you mentioned so the team size now, 70 people, you've, you've fundraised again. Like It feels like significantly bigger and more entrenched than you were when COVID hit. Yeah, I mean, totally. We're sort of 65, 70 customers as well. Um, we're going to be looking at our first international market next year. So, yeah, our our foundations are down now. You know, I think pre-COVID, we were still really small. So we were high risk. We were, who knows if we were going to be around, you know. Um, whereas now I think we are a lot more entrenched and a lot more stable. And really, um, yeah, our, our future is a lot clearer. 
Um, we're at just a completely different stage. We're really trying to move from startup to scale up now. Um, and I think we're probably halfway through that journey. It's probably the hardest part of the whole journey, I'd say, is it's trying to move from startup to scale up, bringing in great people to help take us to the next stage. And that, that's our big challenge at the moment. But definitely feel we are moving in the right direction, which is great. Amazing. And having, having sort of taken the time to look back at that moment, is there anything that's kind of stood out for you looking back at it again? It's really easy to kind of out of sight, out of mind a little bit. You know, it's amazing how people adapt. And I think I haven't haven't reflected on how rubbish it was for a really long time because you're just back in and you're like, you kind of take everything for granted again because you're back to your normal routine and, you know, it's it's hard to remember what it felt like because now it feels different. And I think it's, um, it is really important to, to reflect and do that because you can't really take anything for granted. Um, and I think we all do every day. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's probably the biggest thing that, that has struck me from going through it all with you. Amazing. Well, Lucia, thank you so much for sharing all that today and uh, look forward to seeing continued acceleration. Thank you so much, James. As you heard today, coaching opens up a whole range of insights and areas to explore. If you have a potential moment to revisit on the podcast or just want to learn more about coaching, book in for a 30-minute chat with me at peer-effect.com.